Oh, my God. 
Five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nahum Siegel. Welcome to a Monday. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. Wake up, you throw it. Look around and you'll see. It's that 
Everything is like it seems 
this up and down life doesn't make it easy but i know it's gonna be all right cause i'm up for the fight won't let this pain hold me down i just know i'm gonna make every day count this time i'm doing it right i just stop take a minute to breathe no time I fall city known for its beauty splendor and grace come let us find the words to describe her she is not like not like any other Touches you, 
reach for its stones they're moist with the tears of our hopes and our dreams that we know will soon come true Yerushalayim the place to live Yerushalayim Harim Savi Yerushalayim Yerushalayim To shul as the siren invites the queen Shabbos has come bringing peace to each home The city's at rest, the feeling is so serene
That's Duvidal, brand new here at JM in the AM. I want to dedicate the first part of our broadcast to Avrami. He's uh, <laughs> he's obviously uh, monitoring things very closely, and I thank him for that. And um, wishing him a wonderful Monday. Believe it or not, where he is, it's already Monday afternoon in the Holy Land. He's been up and at him for quite a while, to say the least. Uh, Duvidal with Elio and Avi. You heard Yerushalayim, that classic from Journeys. Mordechai Shapiro, brand new with Get Back Up Again. He'll be in concert tonight at the King's Theater. Not the King's Theater, excuse me. At the Ford Amphitheater in uh, Brooklyn. Benny Friedman's Yama, that's brand new. Uh, Chaim, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, Simcha Liner, rather, with uh, Olam Hafuch. You heard the Mizrahi set done by Yaakov Shweki, Barry Weber's uh, Ritzon Borenu, Monday morning theme song, Masach HaShem, that's Mayor Sherman, and of course, Regesh, Modani opening things up, 
and we say good morning. Welcome to a Monday on this 20th of June. I hope your, uh, your school year is over already. Although the way things work these days, people are, uh, a lot of people are in school till the end of June and a lot of people are in school for the summer. I don't, I don't, I don't realize just how many people are taking courses over the summer and are involved in furthering their education. Call it a vote to them. It's day 21 in the month of Sivan. Again, day number 21 in the month of Sivan. It's a Monday here at JM in the AM, which means coming up at 9 a.m. Eastern time, it'll be Rabbi Benji Kramer. He'll have a Meir Me Lim segment, Rabbi Benji Kramer with a Meir Me Lim segment that on the word Tchelet. The word is Tchelet. And uh, he'll go through the... Um, explanation, evolution, etc. of Tchelet coming up at 9 o'clock in the slot that um, Mayor Weingarten um, was part of for a very, very long time when he would broadcast the Israel show after JM and the AM on a Monday. Um... We've got 54 degrees this morning in Teaneck, New Jersey. High today of 81 with partly cloudy skies. Some clouds tonight with a low of 63. And then mostly cloudy for tomorrow with a high of 80. Some showers possible on Wednesday and Thursday. JM and the AM, plenty more coming up. Keep it here at the Nahum Siegel Network. We have Dan Grunfeld who's going to join us in the 8 o'clock hour. He's author of the brand new book, entitled By the Grace of the Game, The Holocaust, A Basketball Legacy, and an Unprecedented American Dream. It is an unbelievable book. If you are into modern Jewish history, and especially if you're into sports, uh, you will find the combination just amazing. We'll speak with him in the third hour this morning here at JMM. Also, Terry Calker, our good friend and longtime listener and regular listener, is going to join us. Terry is... Um, responsible, frankly, for helping countless number of people when it comes to um, moving violations and things like that in New York. And we'll get her perspective on what's happening out there in this much-traveled uh, much local area. <laughs> we'll do that coming up in the 7 o'clock hour here at JM in the AM. And also we note with uh, tremendous... Sadness, the passing of Tova Ryan. And I'm not going to say Mrs. Tova Ryan or Rebbitson Tova Ryan. To us, she was Tova. And to us, with, with all that she did and all her amazing accomplishments and being in Israel the last 25 years with Midrash at Lindenbaum and all of the um, incredible things that, she, that she's responsible for, uh, to us, she will always be... Uh, Tova Ryan that we worked with both in Camp Marasha and in Camp Masora. And for me, one of the greatest people I ever worked with. And so sad. And I know she was ill for the last few years, but so sad to hear of her passing and our condolences to the great Rabbi Danny Ryan and the entire family. They lost a a wonderful, absolutely wonderful um, family member yesterday. Uh, I, I was told about it uh, Saturday night, so it must have been over Shabbos. And yesterday I tuned into the funeral that was taking place in Israel. And uh, it was one of those funerals where the Maspidim, those who were um, eulogizing, were 100% accurate, that I could tell you. So we uh, recall and remember with tremendous fondness and love 
Tova Ryan of blessed memory. More coming up. You're listening to a, a Monday morning edition of JM and the AM. As I said, Dan Grunfeld later on, Terry Corker later on, and um, plenty more if you keep it right here at JM and the AM. Vata Sonenu, Lirot, et mal 
done by uh, Dudi Messi here at JM in the AM. Baruch Levine before that, Afilu Echad. Harel Tal had Va'ata to open up that set here at JM in the AM. It's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program. Heard on listeners, sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NachumSegal.com and the NachumSegal Network and of course, the beloved NSNF. Happy milestone birthday to Ralph Rosenbaum. Our friend, our supporter, our chairman, Ralph Rosenbaum, is celebrating a milestone birthday. I don't know if I can uh, reveal the exact uh, milestone. That I don't know if I have permission to do that. But Ralph Rosenbaum is celebrating a milestone birthday. Baruch Hashem, he's celebrating it in Israel, which is pretty cool, with his amazing wife, B, and no doubt family and friends. So we say a mazal tov to Ralph Rosenbaum. Wish him a very happy birthday on a Monday from all of us here at JM in the AM. Milestone birthday. Did I mention that? Milestone birthday. Galitzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for a Monday is next. We say Boker Tov from JM in the AM.
גלי צהל מירושלים השעה שתיים, שלום רב, באולפן רני אבנאי עם מה שקורה עכשיו. אבשלום סעידיאן, אחיו של נכה צהל, איציק סעידיאן, שהצית עצמו לפני כ-14 חודשים מול משרדי אגף השיקום, מספר בגלי צהל על ההתרגשות הגדולה אמש, לאחר שראה את אחיו נושא דברים בהופעה פומבית ראשונה באירוע בבית החולים שיבא שבו הוא מאושפז. הוא שוחח עם אמיר איבגי ביומן הצהריים. זה דברים שלא נתפסים בשכל. זה נס שהוא מעל הטבע, כי אני ראיתי את אחי מהיום הראשון, באיזה מצב הוא. לדבר הזה הוא כל כך חיכה, הוא כל יום נלחם בפיזיותרפיה כדי באמת להגיד לעם תודה. הוא באמת מקבל מהם כוח, הוא מקבל מהם את החיבור. המשבר הפוליטי, יושב ראש ועדת הכלכלה, חבר הכנסת מיכאל ביטון, צפוי להצביע היום עם הקואליציה על חוק מענקי האומיקרון לעצמאים. זאת ברקע החרם עליו הכריז בעקבות המשבר עם שרת התחבורה מיכאלי על הרפורמה בתחבורה. כתבנו הפוליטי יובל שגב מוסיף שבשאר החוקים שעל סדר היום צפוי חברי הכנסת ביטון להמשיך במרד, וכי ההחלטה התקבלה אחרי לחצים כבדים, בין השאר מכיוון יושב ראש מפלגתו גנץ. לפני שעה קלה, בפתח דיוני ועדת הכלכלה, אמר חבר הכנסת ביטון, הפערים ביני לבין השרה מיכאלי עדיין גדולים, אני מקווה שימצא פתרון. לצערי, בסוגיית הרפורמה בתחבורה הציבורית, הפערים אה, בפתרון האפשרי לרפורמה הם גדולים. אני מקווה שאו בשעות הקרובות, או בימים הקרובים, ננסח פתרון מניח את הדעת. שמצד אחד יכול לאפשר לרפורמה להתקדם ולמנוע את הפגיעה שכואבת לי בפריפריה ובאוכלוסיות מוחלשות. לאחר שבית המשפט המחוזי בירושלים החמיר אתמול את עונשו של אברהם לשם, שהורשע באונס ילדה משלוש שנות מאסר וחצי לשש שנות מאסר בפועל, אביה של הילדה טוען בריאיון ליעל דן, הרכב השופטים לא הסכים להחמיר את הענישה. למה לא מענישים? הפרקליטות הרשעה שמונה וחצי, אבל יש שם הרכב שאין אומץ. בית המשפט אטום לדברים האלה. שלושה שופטים, והברבנר הזה עוד שנייה שופט על עוד משפט כזה, אותו צוות, והם אטומים. הרוב הדומם שותק בגלל השופטים. שני פלסטינים מהכפר נעלין כבני 20 נעצרו על ידי המשטרה בחשד לביצוע שוד של אזרח ישראלי כבן 70 שהתרחש בשבוע שעבר בכפר דיר קדיס שבשומרון. האזרח נכנס למקום לערוך קניות ובמהלך השוד נלקח ממנו תיקו האישי כאשר בתוכו אקדח ברישיון. מזג האוויר, ירידה קלה בטמפרטורות. אלה החדשות שעורך רועי ולד. כל רגע בחיים, כל זמן ומקום, בחוץ וגם בפנים, לילה וגם יום. מה שנעשה, איפה שנלך, יש דבר אחד שתמיד נצטרך, אתה וגם אני, ככה מברכים אחד את השני, בטביל אומרים, כולנו נאחל בהלב יתפלל אל הקר. Thank <laughs> you. 
feet. Jam in the AM with Himlin done by Chaim Shlomo. Nachas had Be'elim Hashem. You heard Mazel done by uh, Maishi Tischler here at JM in the AM. This portion of NSN programming brought to you by our friends at A&H. Abel's and Hyman has uh, traditional kosher delicacies, pastrami, corned beef, salami, and more. Old world classics, beef fry, kishka, and more. And modern, better for you kosher products, including no nitrate added, reduced fat, and reduced sodium hot dogs, plus many other unique items. Grilling season is here. Summer officially on the calendar starts tomorrow. We've already felt it in many parts of this country already that it's summer with the temperatures uh, in certain places the way they are. So get ready to grill up a storm. Have plenty of great, delicious A&H hot dogs in your freezer and fridge so that you're all set for the summer months. Again, summer officially begins tomorrow morning. Did you know that? 21st of June. Yeah, tomorrow morning. Uh, visit the website at kosherdogs.net. Get a 10% discount with promo code radio and try A&H today. Speaking of promo code, when you go to artscroll.com, make sure to use promo code radio. And we remind you about that specifically right now regarding Yisrael Besser's brand new book, Welcoming Shabbos, Stories, Inspiration, and Insights. It's a short book. It is worth every penny. And uh, we utilized it this past Shabbos at our table. And you will find it just fascinating. Everything you do regarding um, a Shabbos from candle lighting through Kiddush. You don't realize how much we do. And if you missed my conversation with uh, Yisrael Besser, it's worthwhile going to the archives at NahumSiegel.com and the NSN app to catch it. Anyway, uh, the book is called Exalted Moments. For that or anything on the Artscroll website, Artscroll.com, uh, make sure to use promo code RADIO for your big discount and free shipping. Artscroll.com, big discount and free shipping. Free shipping. It's as simple as that. And uh, that's even beyond what they're offering now in their big uh, June sale, because they've got a sale going on 20% off on over 3,000 titles. So for any amount that you order, free shipping, major discount if you use promo code radio. Even with the big sale, you don't get free shipping on everything. You do when you use promo code radio. All right, so keep that in mind for artscroll.com. JM and AM, Terry Calker is going to join us. Always like speaking with her about the... Uh, the world of moving violations <laughs> and such things here in the New York area. We'll talk to her coming up. Tell you, you can't escape it. You can't escape it. It's amazing. Uh, coming up at uh, 810 this morning, the author of By the Grace of the Game, Dan Grunfeld, is with us. He is the son of NBA legend Ernie Grunfeld. He has an unbelievable brand new book. And we'll explain coming up in the 8 o'clock hour. Here at JM in the AM. Listener Cena has a contribution to this morning's program. She says, a happy birthday to longtime devoted friend of the Nahum Single Network, the chairman, Ralph Rosenbaum of East Brunswick, New Jersey, wishing you a wonderful day and a fabulous year ahead. And, of, of course, many more happy birthdays and good health till 120. You are so fortunate to be spending this birthday in the Holy Land, that's for sure. May we share many more simchas together going forward with best regards from listener Sina. And listener Sina says, Mazel tov to my amazing niece, uh, Bryna Nyman of Cedarhurst, and her engagement to Shui Hachman of Baltimore. Mazel tov to the entire Nyman and Hachman families. Special mazel tov to Grandma Roberta Eisenman of Muncie. Bryna and Shui, the whole family is thrilled for you and can't wait to dance at your wedding. Love, Tanta Sina. And finally... Listener Cena says, Mazel tov to my graduate, Rachel Dina Gifter. Rachel Dina Gifter of Staten Island, who has successfully completed her high school career. Uh, Rhodey, 
or row D, I am super proud of all your accomplishments as you move from this stage to the next. A year in Eretz Yisrael. I know we're going to see great things from you. I love you to the moon and back and then some with tons of love from Bubs, a.k.a. Listener Cena, the pride of the Sunshine State. Yeah, I added that one. <laughs> and she says, Tadarabad, have a fabulous day. Yeah, well, with three great wishes like that, how can we not have a fabulous day? More coming up. It's Monday. It's JM in the AM. seemed so endless yet somehow they survived free at last but spiritless and frail when the Rebbe showed them love and they began to mend but that's just one part of this precious little tale it was to be the first Pesach After years devoid of light When the Rebbe of Skulen Stood with his son And they announced There will be matzois For the Seder night But enough to only give Each person one the righteous and devout With love in their hearts They lift us up when we stumble and fall The Allah Hasidim The saintly and the pure Only Hashem knows the burden The burden they bear for us all Two large sacks of flour A small oven made of brick The Rebbe baked as tears streamed from his eyes Measured oh so carefully Neither thin nor thick Each round matzah eyes in size Along with the aroma that drifted through the air One could sense that hope and healing had begun Again, the Rebbe sent out word Yidalach, be fair, please come and take But take no more than one the righteous and devout With love in their hearts They lift us up when we stumble and fall The Allah Hasidim The saintly and the pure Only Hashem knows the burden The burden they bear for us all
line may have been long, but it never stopped or stalled. A tapestry of Jews from far and near. But suddenly one young man brought it to a crawl when he bent down and whispered in the Rebbe's ear. I beg of you, dear Rebbe, who is our last resort, though a single matzah will suffice for me. My father is an admiral, and Vizhnitz is his court, and as such, he must be given three. Sadness gripped the Rebbe's soul as he wondered to himself, Can it be true? After all our pain and sorrow, could one yet be so bold and deem himself to be a better Jew? But then he thought. Who am I to judge what's right or best? Only God in heaven knows for sure. He's a great and pious Rebbe. I will comply with his request. And discreetly he gave the young man four. and devout with love in their hearts they lift us up when we stumble and fall the Allah Hasidim the saintly and the pure only Hashem knows the burden the burden they bear for us all The Admiral's son returned and said, May I ask the Rebbe and his son as well, Who was my holy father? Was he right to be concerned that you would keep no matzois for yourself? Yes, indeed, they answered, we gave them all away. With Jews in need, what else was there to do? The Admiral's son replied, that's what my father thought you'd say. So I brought back the two matzois. 
Journeys volume number five, Avram Freed, Alhat Sadikim. Powerful selection. JM in the AM. Well, apparently, uh, uh, listener Ralph, or Chairman Ralph, or a friend Ralph, or supporter Ralph, or birthday boy Ralph, <laughs> has posted on the app a big hint regarding to his uh, milestone birthday. He says, Todat Nachum for uh, mentioning my milestone birthday. In case you're wondering about the milestone, I now have to collect Social Security, but still helping clients achieve their financial goals. So thank you for that, listener Ralph, from all of us here at JMM, and a big happy birthday to you. Uh, listener Zina says, Greetings from Jerusalem. Love being here. Tikva says, Shalom from Petach Tikva. Wow, we have a lot of, uh, lot of Israel messages today. A lot of people telling us about uh, being in the Holy Land which is really cool, I must say. No question about that. Uh, Dan Grunfeld's going to join us. The book is called uh, By the Grace of the Game, The Holocaust, A Basketball Legacy, and an Unprecedented American Dream. It's a great book, really great book. He'll join us in the 8 o'clock hour. Terry Corker's coming up. We'll talk about what it's like to um, attempt to drive in New York City these days. <laughs> We'll do that from the perspective of a lawyer who's always helping people uh, with tickets and stuff. She'll join us here at JM in the AM in the 7 o'clock at this hour, just a few minutes from now, here at JM in the AM. Uh, a drop early for Rabbi Goldwasser. His words, Zechonishmas Harav Zevnavis of Alevi, Zechonishmas Esther Basarbis of Alevi. Here is Rabbi David Goldwasser with Morning Chizuk. Good morning. It says in the Torah, Ki Hashem Elokechem Eschem, Hashem will test you. This is actually about every mitzvah. If a person accepts upon himself Torah and mitzvahs, it obviously demonstrates that he is an Ohev Hashem, he loves Hashem. If not, it would seem to indicate the opposite. Hagon Reb Yosef Shulnatanson writes that the Tosus and Shabbos tells us it is the way of a child to run from the Besa Sefer, from the school. He isn't yet happy because he doesn't yet realize the sweetness of Torah. As soon as the lesson is over, he's happy to leave. But when an individual does not run away from Torah, it proves that he understands and that he is drawn towards the sweetness of Torah. The Navi, up until this point, had the chazaka of a Novi Emes, of a Novi that says the truth. Then, one day, the person hears in the Vua that he's allowed to be Porekol, that he can leave Hashem, go after strange gods. In that moment, Hashem tests him whether he lives in truth or not. Because one who truly loves Hashem, it would never enter his mind to leave even the Kutzel Shal Yud 
even the smallest bit of Torah. But a person who doesn't have that love is not Mekayim the Mitzvah because he loves Hashem, but rather it's like a burden to him. So the whole Kiyum, the whole establishment of his Torah and Mitzvahs is only like someone who's forced to do it. As soon as he hears from the Navi that he's allowed to go somewhere else, he's thrilled and he starts to run. Because all of his Torah and all of his mitzvahs are only because he has an obligation to do so, but not out of true love. That's why the Torah says, Ki Hashem eschem. Through the Novi, it can be determined how great is a person's love for Torah and mitzvahs. And that's why the person has to have great simcha. It is a privilege to daven. It's a privilege to do mitzvahs. It's a privilege to learn. A chassid once came to the Imre Chaim of Vizhnitz on Motsoy Simchas Torah. The Imre Chaim said, Wouldn't it be better if we were now starting the Ashrei of the first night of Slichas? The Avoda and the Yigiya, the toil, was so beloved by the Imre Chaim like a million dollars would be to another person. This has been Rabbi David Goldwasser bringing you morning chizik. Have a nice day. JM in the AM on a Monday morning broadcast. Thanks for joining us, and big thank you to Rabbi Goldwasser, of course, and happy birthday to Ralph Rosenbaum, our chairman, who is uh, celebrating a milestone birthday today. We say happy birthday from all of us here at JM in the AM. Well, Terry Corker is with us live via telephone. Those of you who are longtime listeners of JM in the AM know that uh, Terry and I met many, many years ago. <laughs> under the circumstances that Terry deals with on a daily basis, <laughs> which may not be too surprising to those who know me and know how I drive. And now Terry and her firm uh, at Ticket Defenders are celebrating 30 years helping people fight their traffic violations. And today she happens not to be in court. It's a legal holiday in many places. So she has a few minutes to join us and to, uh, and to um, update us on some of the things that are going on in New York City. Now, I know we have a global audience now, so be patient for a moment because uh, uh, obviously with so much of our audience uh, here in the uh, New York area, uh, there is uh, plenty that we could offer in terms of advice and in terms of um, suggestions uh, when one is driving around New York. Terry Calker, Ticket Defenders, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you, Nachman. Good morning. And just to address your last point, um, I have many Israeli clients uh, that come and just for visiting as well as from other states that I represent as well. So hey, 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 hey can, can we address that for a second? Because I wonder how much confusion there is. I know how much confusion there is in my family about this. If someone does have an out-of-state license, and I'm not talking about New York and New Jersey where I assume there's some type of cooperation, but if someone, I don't know, lives in Oregon and they're driving in New York and get a moving violation, do they need to deal with it or can they ignore it? So in theory, there is some type of reciprocity. I usually deal with it and answer them on a case-by-case basis. I try to be obviously as honest as possible. If they're a one-timer coming through and it's a payable ticket, uh, I'll get back to that in a minute, then I would tell them to pay it. If they're going to be coming and driving often in New York and they, get, they accumulate a record, once they receive a ticket in New York, New York creates for them an ID number as if they had a license in New York. And that ID number goes by their name and date of birth. So anytime they're stopped after that, that same record is brought up and they can accumulate points. And now 
that New York has subscribed to New Jersey uh, driver assessment fee kind of idea where if you get six or more points, you have to pay every year $100 a year for three years, then it pays to fight it. Interesting. And that would go, um, well, I I shouldn't say it would. I have to ask you, would it go uh, or would it apply to somebody who is from a foreign country? You mentioned Israel a moment ago, and you're right. There are people listening in Israel right now for whom this is very helpful. Someone comes from Israel or anywhere and receives a moving violation. How should they deal with it? So, again, I I would reach out to a local attorney, someone, or or even look online. DMV has uh, access has at least updated their website somewhat. They have some helpful information on there. Um, There are some tickets that you cannot even mail in now. They're called required appearances. Uh, It used to be only like high speeds or if the ticket was going to suspend your license, but they now made um, a ticket that's called fairly yield to pedestrian, which is an all-time favorite now, surpassing (laughs) cell phone tickets of police officers, that you cannot mail in payment. It's called required appearance. You have to either make an appearance, which you cannot do since they're shut down still. Um, uh, I'll also get to that later. Right. Or you can call in and speak with a judge and, and plead guilty online uh, that way. Unbelievable. Um, but you can't just, they won't accept your payment because it's called required appearance because they have to ascertain there was no harm to any pedestrian. Now, just so I have this straight, this is uh, the way you just described it. It, it, it goes through um, it goes through cycles in terms of which tickets are are uh, are being given on a regular basis. Meaning, meaning that that it sounds based on the way you're putting it that at one time the cell phone ticket, utilizing a phone, you know, having it up to your ear, etc., was you know being concentrated on and being uh, and and um, that was very that was dominant. Let's put it that way by the New York City police force. And now you're saying that the pedestrian tickets, meaning that if you're not yielding properly to pedestrians, that seems to be a very hot topic these days? Definitely. I, I would say it's probably equal. And, of course, you know, you always have the speeds. The speeds right. are written only by select officers, either in highway patrol or trained by tri- highway patrol. So the main other ticket writers are focusing on um, on cell phone tickets, uh, electronic device tickets, which is not on talking on the cell phone, but merely having in your hand, I was just a defense. I was just checking my GPS. I was just checking my texts. I was just had it in my hand. All of that is a violation. Wow. Terry Calker is with us, celebrating 30 years of helping people fight their traffic violations. Website is tif- TicketDefendersNY.com. TicketDefendersNY.com. You can also reach her office if you are in need, like we've been and we've reached out there many, many times. 718-793-1900. And, of course, if you're not in the New York area, you can still utilize her services. She'll guide you the right way. 718 793 1900 and speaking of not being in the new york area now that it's uh, june 20th now that we are so close to so many people traveling uh, upstate and to canada and to different parts of the country obviously a big driving season is about to commence uh, we should mention that uh, uh, that uh, there are people who are going to probably be getting violations in small towns and in different areas of uh, new york state and other areas uh, these are all uh, good, it's a good idea for them to contact you and just run the situation by you, uh, even if it's outside of New York City, right, Terry? Yes, we do all of New York State, and um, New York State outside of New York City is run a different way. There's, there is plea bargaining, which has not come to the five boroughs yet, so we, we can definitely get good deals uh, 
all the way up to the Canadian border. One can negotiate when you're dealing with New York State outside of New York City. One feels they have a little bit of leeway. One feels they have a little, little bit of breathing room. It's down here sure. in the five boroughs where it feels that there's often no choice, right? Exactly. Oh, yes, boy. they have not uh, instituted plea bargaining yet. Uh, there was talk of it, but... I don't see it coming anytime soon. Many drivers, especially many people listening now, uh, would would prefer to just pay a ticket and avoid point accumulation. And I think that used to be the case in the past. Now, is it very difficult to do that? Um, You you mean in New York City or outside? In New York City itself. Well, you never had the opportunity to pay it and avoid points unless there was a no point violation. That's what no plea bargaining is. Um, Yeah. But the chances of winning in in some cases have changed. Um, A lot of the old judges have retired and they've replaced them with new and very inexperienced uh, ALJs, which administrative law judges with very little training. Many, many times in, in the last couple of weeks, I've had to tell them to take out the vehicle and traffic law and let them read it in front of me wow. to show them I was correct. They had no idea. Wow. There are sections of law they're not even familiar with. One of them is called passing on the right. I had an issue with two separate judges this week, last week. But uh, uh, just to, in case people don't know this, technically in, in New York, you're not allowed to pass on the right. But you will say, but we can't pass on the left if there's a double yellow line. That is correct. So how would you go around a slow-moving vehicle in a specific lane? So the section... There's a separate section that says you can use an unutilized parking lane, which makes sense. If it's unutilized, it's now moving lane of traffic. Right. The judges did not know that. Unbelievable. You should be doing their job, frankly. <laughs> yeah. yeah it would be a pay cut. <laughs> <laughs> that I believe. Terry Calker is with us. All right. What can you tell us about COVID? Because you alluded earlier to the fact that there are so many places, so many, uh, I, I guess, hearing locations that are simply not open at this point or not open to in-person appearances. How has that affected all of this? So they, they reopen to in-person, but only uh, if you have a, and a scheduled appointment. In other words, if you have a court date for a specific time, you have to wait outside and log in with security guards, and then they bring you in one by one, essentially, when it's time for your hearing. Um, if you have missed a court date, which people do, especially since they've been rescheduling cases for, for since 2020, and you lose track of the date, now you're in a pinch because you need to see a judge. But you can't just walk in and see a judge. They give you a phone number to call, and you can wait online forever in order to try and reschedule this case. And, and by the way, just to, that leads me into my next topic is that being very stingy with new dates. There are people that have done one violation in their life and they know reschedule, reschedule, reschedule. That's all that they tell me. But those days are over. You can't just keep rescheduling them. Whereas DMV has, has now opened up additional opportunities for them to reschedule the case by adding different fields. So it's okay for them to reschedule the case. I have cases going back till 20, 2015 that I never rescheduled myself, all, all by them. But the motorist is not allowed to reschedule now. One time, and after that, you have to have a, a valid reason to reschedule. How do people navigate any of this without someone like you? It's uh, very difficult. Um, people are, I see people that are, are getting in trouble, getting suspended. Well, suspensions, that's one thing where they, they've lessened up a little bit as far as uh, 
uh, when one person gets suspended. But there, people have been pleading guilty, unfortunately. Um, I've I've even had to advise some people recently, if it's a ticket, let's say from 2018, and they've already rescheduled it once or twice. You know, I'm not going to take their money if I know I can't reschedule it because um, they're, even the, the lawyers have to go pretty much send an email to a judge in order to get a, a court date. And I know what the judges are going to give me and what they're not going to give me. Wow. We used to be able to, to uh, walk into a room and the, the room that the judge was in is the one who'd give the date and each judge would take a turn. So, of course, naturally, we'd wait for a judge that was a little more lenient. But that option is uh, shut down currently. Terry Caulker. Terry, hopefully. Terry Caulker is with us, helping people fight their traffic violations. Plenty of expertise in New York State. Take advantage, but plenty of expertise really anywhere. So if you have any situation to discuss, uh, Terry and her staff are the people to discuss it with. Uh, TicketDefendersNY.com. TicketDefendersNY.com. Dot com or 718-793-1900, 718-793-1900. All right, Terry, what can you tell us about everyone's favorite topic? And that, of course, is the uh, camera violations, which seem to have uh, no defense, uh, no plan of action other than paying the ticket. Uh, and I'm assuming that there are just more and more cameras and more and more of these violations constantly. Absolutely. I can tell you in the neighborhood where I am when I'm in New York, which is Kew Garden Hills, there isn't a week that goes by that they don't add another one. Um, uh, Nothing nothing we could do about it, huh? um, In theory, no. Luckily, there's no points. Um, I actually spoke to a police officer who himself racked up many of these, and he (laughs) claims, I didn't verify it yet, he claims he appealed them and he was able to win them on uh, a technicality about non-calibration, but I haven't found them to be um, very helpful in that. Yeah, Maybe he had an inside track. And some people like him are really accumulating them because what we don't realize, or some drivers don't realize, is that the um, the demarcation, the point where you actually get a ticket, is not is not that fast, right? It's not you don't you don't have to speed eleven at eleven miles over, which is crazy. If, if you're in a yes. twenty five mile an hour zone, once you hit thirty six, which is not, I mean, again, depends on the situation, but it doesn't seem to the average driver to be too fast. Uh, once you hit thirty six, that's it. You're going to be hit with a ticket. Now, again, as right. you said, no no points and not that expensive, but right. still a pain in the neck. They are discussing. Keeping track, however, and if a car, a specific car, accumulates too many of them, they would uh, take some action against the registration. Holy cow. And that's another so moneymaker, so, so they're going to be inclined to do yep. that. Why not? What's a, what's a suspended license now? How many points in New York for a license to be suspended? Uh, technically, eleven at 11 points. There are some judges that give you leeway, of course, that you can avail yourself of what's called a defensive driving course, which is can be done online. Right. You listen to a lecture, and it, that reduces four points. So I, I would actually suggest uh, taking it regularly, but certainly once you receive any traffic violation, because it goes retroactively back. So if you already have the traffic violation, you don't have to wait until the court date to take it take it before. Wow. Ticketdefendersny.com. or 718-793-1900. 718-793-1900. If you get a ticket of any type, it is worth uh, speaking to Terry and her staff before you actually decide what action 
to take. Uh, they'll end up uh, likely saving you a lot of money and a lot of aggravation. But again, it depends on the specific situation. There's some cases where, where they have a, a extremely uh, a, an extreme ability to uh, to help out and to reduce things, and other times where it's not as much. But it's still worthwhile to speak with them. Uh, Terry, anything else you'd like to add? I think that's it. Um, just be careful out there. There are a lot of uh, police officers. Um, one other thing that may not sure. affect somebody with new tickets is the, the rate of retirement now. Because the morale is, is lower in right. the police departments, they used to stay around 25, 30 years. Many are now leaving after the 20 years. So if it's somebody, if you have... And had a, had a ticket out there for a while, and he looked old when he gave it to you. By old, I mean forty. <laughs> right. So if you had an officer over the age of forty, there's a chance yeah. that that officer will not be on the force once that ticket is uh, judged in court. It's- it's a possibility. Yes. <laughs> That's actually great. Uh, TicketDefendersNY.com, TicketDefendersNY.com, 718-793-1900, 718-793-1900. If you're anywhere on this globe and you're visiting in the New York area, New York State, etc., a lot of people up in New York State in the upstate area this summer, uh, make sure to speak to Terry and her staff before taking any action. Uh, they will, again, save you money and likely save you a lot of aggravation as well. TicketDefendersNY.com, 718 793 Three, nineteen hundred. Terry Calker, I thank you very, very much for joining us this morning. My pleasure, and happy Juneteenth. Yeah, appreciate that. Yes, anyone who has a day off, it certainly is a uh, happy day for them. More coming up. You're listening to a Monday morning edition of JM and AM. Dan Grunfeld is going to be our guest, author of the book "By the Grace of the Game." He'll join us in the eight o'clock hour right here at JM and the AM.
the most amazing dream last night. It was very thrilling and entrancing. The world became a place so filled with light. And in my dream, Jews everywhere were dancing. Because Mashiach had arrived, peace and love began to thrive. No more war, no more hate. A time to celebrate a my oh my since long ago at Har Sinai Chavedim Ko Yisroel Mi she asa nisim Asa nisim lavoteinu Vegaal otam Meavdot lecheru Hu gal otanu Pada otanu Hu kibetz nidacheinu Hashem, we beg of you, please make this dream come true. the news All they did was talk about the Jews They wondered how could we have been so wrong I think deep down they knew it all along Because Mashiach had arrived Peace and love began to thrive The whole world came to storm our gates But there's no gators, it's too late And for the first time my oh my Since long ago at Harsinai Hashem, we beg of you, please make this dream come true, and let us for your sake, live in this dream when we're away, and though for centuries, we've waited patiently, now let these days begin, Since long ago at Harsina 
JM in the AM. It's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. Heard on listeners, sponsored digital radio, around the world, the web, and AlchemSegal.com and the AlchemSegal Network, and of course, on the beloved NSN app. Happy birthday, Ralph Rosenbaum, celebrating a milestone birthday today. Happy birthday, Chairman Ralph, from all of us here at JM in the AM. Yeah, when Ralph gets back from Israel, I got to take him out for a, a birthday lunch to Giddy's. I hope he'll be uh, he'll be into that. Head down to the uh, Central Jersey area, check out our friends at the uh, Giddies, and uh, enjoy a wonderful lunch together. That's that's the plan. That's the plan. <laughs> Hopefully, it'll work out. Go to artscroll.com. Make sure to use promo code Radio. The brand new book by Yisrael Besser, Exalted Moments, is an amazing one. They have three thousand other titles that are available right now at a twenty percent discount. In their big June sale, go to artscroll.com. Make sure to use promo code radio in addition, to, in addition to the discount to get free shipping on any amount when you use promo code radio. So go to artscroll.com. Make sure to use promo code radio. And save, 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 and enjoy, enjoy, enjoy. Lots of great things um, coming out from Artscroll. And um, if you use promo code radio, you get them at a phenomenal price and the lowest the lowest price best discount lowest price and only method of free shipping on anything if you use promo code radio do you get that did i explain that well i don't know if i explained that well feel free to comment on the app go to the nsn Malcolm single network app for android and iphone and comment away again feel free to comment on the app it's Monday, which means Rai Benji Kramer is going to have Meir Milim, an explanation of a word in the Hebrew language. This morning's word is Tchelet. Meir Milim is going to be at 9 o'clock this morning, like it is every single Monday. 9 o'clock this morning, just like every single Monday, Meir Milim with Rai Benji Kramer here at the Nahum Siegel Network. More coming up. Here's Yaakov Shweki on JM in the AM. Let's go, Naftali
On a Monday morning broadcast with Yaakov Shweki, the Hasidish set is what he calls it from the uh, most recent album entitled Elevate here at JM in the AM. Well, as I was just telling uh, Dan Grunfeld off the air, I thoroughly enjoyed his book. It's entitled By the Grace of the Game, The Holocaust, A Basketball Legacy and an Unprecedented American Dream. We'll talk about it in a moment uh, with the author. Um... Uh, we actually, uh, Dan was scheduled to be with us on the air around the time the book came out, which was the week of uh, March 20th. And then as uh, many of you remember, March 27th, as many of you remember, uh, March 27th was the day of the fire in our studio. And it took us some time to uh, regroup. We weren't able to have uh, guests on the air with us that week. Um, anyway, so, uh, but th- thank goodness uh, we followed up and um, were able to speak with Dan Grunfeld about the brand new book, which I, again, am highly, highly recommending. Anybody out there who is uh, into modern Jewish history, especially if you have any affinity towards sports in this country, you'll absolutely love it. If the magnitude of an American dream is measured by the intensity of the nightmare that came before and the heights of the triumph achieved after, then the Grunfeld family has experienced an American dream of unprecedented scale. A courageous struggle to avoid Auschwitz and a harrowing escape to the U.S. somehow led to basketball, a vehicle that took Ernie Grunfeld and his family from the grips of the Nazis to the top of the Olympic podium, from the cheap seats to center stage at Madison Square Garden, from yellow stars to silver spoons. Ernie's the only player in NBA history whose parents survived the Holocaust. And by the grace of the game, Dan Grunfeld, a former basketball standout at Stanford, shares the incredible story of his family, a delicately interwoven narrative that doesn't lack in heartbreak. It remains as deeply nourishing as his grandmother's Hungarian cooking. Dan Grunfeld is a former professional basketball player, an accomplished writer, and a proud graduate of Stanford University, an academic All-American and All-Conference basketball selection at Stanford. Dan played professionally for eight seasons in top leagues around the world, including in Germany, Spain, and Israel. Dan Grunfeld, a pleasure to welcome you to JM in the AM. Nothing. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. Uh, we should also mention that it's not just the NBA. Uh, your father was the only one in any of the four major sports in this country to play professionally and, in fact, have the distinction of being the uh, child of Holocaust survivors, correct? Yeah, that's right. You know, I did a year and a half of research for the book, and I kept digging deeper and deeper. And I call, you know, talked to the the historians from all the major leagues, and no one, there wasn't another player whose parent, both parents were Holocaust survivors. Uh, the story is unbelievable. I mean, the fact that your family survived the Holocaust is incredible uh, to begin with, and then the the achievements that the the family, obviously through your father and others, um, uh, came to in this country is simply remarkable. Uh, you know, very often, very often, both the generation of the Holocaust and even to an extent the next generation that you're a part of uh, like to avoid the topic, and and often it is a it, it's a difficult and painful one to number one experience as a family and number two to bring to the public it seems that you had the exact opposite approach you went ahead and uh, and authored a book uh, that details everything that your family went through why do you think you had a completely different type of attitude than others when approaching this work 
you know, so I'm third generation, right? So my grandparents are survivors. And, you know, I talk a lot in the book about privilege and I'm privileged in a lot of ways. But one of them is that I have a generation of separation from all this tragedy and trauma. And I can kind of look at it, you know, and get inspiration from it. You know, my dad never had that luxury. You know, my dad was born in the ashes of the Holocaust. And so he doesn't really talk about it. You find with survivors, it's often a binary. Either they never talk about it or it's their obligation. And my grandmother was in the latter group. She, I always grew up hearing her speak of her loved ones who were lost and telling stories. And, you know, my grandma turned 97 a few weeks ago. Wow. You know, we talk every single day. And as you know from the book, she's the star of our, forget, you know, my dad's <laughs> basketball accomplishments or my own. My grandmother is the star of our family. She is the star of the story. And she's just always been very open with me. So, you know, as I got older, as I learned more about the story, it really became my dream to tell it. Yeah, Anyu uh, seems to run away from the glory, and yet it chases her, right? <laughs> She can't avoid it. You know, I always, I always thought, Anu, someone called, they loved the book. You know, you inspired them. And she said, no, you did it. You did it. I said, no, I knew it's you. It's always you. Yeah. She's, she's one of a kind. And, you know, just by reading the book, you get to know her and she's really a remarkable woman. Yeah. And, and the reason, by the way, that I, you know, I, I sort of put you in the second generation status is because of, of the years after the war that your father spent in Europe. And then, of course, uh, you know, coming to this country, not maybe officially as refugee status, but sort of in a refugee status. And I think that there are so many personalities, including yourself, who are so inspiring uh, in this book uh, and, and that people will gain inspiration from. We'll start with your with your grandmother for a moment. I mean, it, it must baffle you, especially as you did all the research that one can go ahead in the shadow of all these of all these tragedies, all the people in her family being lost and murdered, and all the circumstances that she was put in, it must baffle you that she was able to survive the entire ordeal. Yeah, it, it's extraordinary. You know, she lost five siblings and both parents in the Holocaust. She survived in Budapest. And, you know, my grandmother, she is a symbol of, you know, survival, perseverance, will to live. She also has incredible humility. So she'll be the first one to say, I had all the things you needed to survive, but during the Holocaust, it didn't matter. You needed luck and you needed help. And you know, through the book, you know, she had, someone gave her a piece of bread. Someone gave her an extra pair of pants. Someone gave her a kiss on the cheek that gave her hope. You know, all these acts of kindness helped her get through, but it was really Raul Wallenberg, you know, the legendary Swedish diplomat who saved her life twice in Budapest, right? So my grandmother had everything you needed to survive, but most times it wasn't enough in those days. And, you know, she also had health and she had luck and yeah, she, her story, you know, how she made it through. It's just, it's incredible. And by the way, we should point out, uh, not to give everything away here, because I want people to buy the book and enjoy it like I did, but, but the, the, the Wallenberg she was saved twice by Wallenberg, but, but neither time in the traditional sense that Wallenberg saved people, which, which leads me to say and observe that, that Wallenberg may have saved a certain number of people. We know about that obviously through all the stories and the history, but we don't realize how many other people, what type of ripple effect the fact that he was out there trying to save Jews had on so many others. And I think it's an important point to make. Absolutely. I'm glad you did. I always, you know, I talk to a lot of young groups and students about the book, the story. And I tell them, if you want, you know, heroes can look different, but if you want to really know what a hero looks like, just Google Raul Wallenberg, yeah. you know, not Jewish Gentile went to, went to Budapest to, to help the Jews. And, you know, he was never seen again. He was apprehended by the Russians after the war. So he risked his life and lost his life to help others. I mean, I mean he's a true hero. And your point is a great one. Who knows how many he really, really helped because 
again twice for my grandmother in different ways. Right, and you, 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 folks, it's worth it. It's worth it to read it just for that. Dan Grunfeld's with us, the forward of the book, by the way, by Ray Allen. We'll talk about that in a moment. The book is entitled "By the Grace of the Game: The Holocaust, a Basketball Legacy, and Unprecedented American Dream." So um, we talk about uh, you know all these personalities in the book being inspiring. Um, so your your grandparents. Um, your your father's parents, you know, they come to this country, and and I, I know for many it would be a, uh, you know, a, a a traditional story of immigrants coming here and starting from scratch. But that also must be very inspiring to you, and obviously it was, uh, to me, and I'm sure to many who are reading about it, that the um the the you know you, you got to start from almost nothing. They were lucky; they had a little bit of something, and they had some relatives here. But you have to start from almost nothing and start building up. Uh, what were your thoughts as you were researching what it was like for them uh, to work in a store all those days and to you know try to build the American dream from scratch? Right. Just a, a hard, hard background, but it was so inspiring to do the research, to interview people, not only in my family, but externally, just to learn about that time. And it gives everyone hope. You know, if you can come to America after losing your whole family, not speaking the language, having no formal education, you know, because my grandparents weren't able to be formally educated because of the Holocaust. And they opened up a fabric store in the Bronx. You know, they work seven, six days a week and they built a nice life here. And in the meantime, my dad, you know, looking for connection after losing his older brother, looking, you know, for a sense of belonging. He started playing basketball on the playgrounds of Queens. Unbelievable. The whole thing is unbelievable. And and, and what you just the, the the fact that they went through, meaning your grandparents went through all this tragedy and. Then, then thank God had the mazel to get to the United States and to start from scratch and, you know, and, and start to build and then lose a son, your father's brother, your uncle. Uh, I, I, it, it, it was heartbreaking to read how you described it because again, they came from all that tragedy and all that background, but to, to, you know, to, to feel like, okay, now I'm here and there's plenty of hope and there's plenty of life and there's plenty to progress with, etc., And then to suffer through that must've been just, uh, and, and you point out by the way, that, I mean, for, for your grandparents, it was a very difficult topic to ever, to ever bring up. Right. Absolutely. And for my dad in particular, you know, cause my dad, was nine years old when his brother passed and his brother's eight years older than him. And, you know, I write in the book what my dad called his brother in Hungarian, their native language right. translates in English to my king. Right. right. And, you know, I have two boys, you know, imagine your youngest calling your oldest my king. And, you know, my uncle, you know, passed away at 17 years old from leukemia. And so, yeah, it, it's heartbreaking even today. And I'm named after my uncle. Now, as you know, from the book, right. Yeah. I read about it very honestly, that the obligation I feel from that, but, that's a hole that can't be filled. And my book is called By the Grace of the Game, intentionally, right? Because it was basketball that shined its light on my family when we really needed it because of the Holocaust, but also because my uncle's passing. I don't think my dad would have flown so far so fast had he not been moving away from so much tragedy. 
Now let's talk about your dad for a moment. We'll get to you because you're also an inspiring figure. Don't worry. But uh, your father's <laughs> your father's basketball uh, career. I mean, I I guess it sort of starts off as a combination of understanding and realizing he has some athletic ability, and he's trying to fit in, and he's trying to be one of the you know one of the kids on the playground, and also as an escape from from all the different things that um, are going around uh, are going on around him. I mean, it, it looks like for multiple reasons basketball was important to him as a youngster 100 percent for the reasons you mentioned you know being coming to america not speaking the language and as you know from the book he was made fun of by kids right? right i mean he came to america speaking fluent hungarian romanian and italian didn't speak a word of english had never touched a basketball you know my grandfather was a world-ranked ping pong player and kind of a semi-professional soccer player you know big six foot three burly guy a great athlete, but basketball wasn't, you know, wasn't a sport they played in Romania. So yeah, he was a fish out of water in New York city. And then his brother passes. Right. And so when, you know, it, it was so interesting hearing my dad, cause I, I interviewed him so much for the book and just hearing him describe his upbringing in Queens. You know, he said, that's what, that's what kids did. You know, you went to the playground and you played hoops right? Particularly in the seventies, right? basketball, the city game, New York city. I uh, was so, said, I just wanted to make friends. I wanted to learn English and I just wanted to belong. And so, yeah, he was a good athlete and he's a, you know, a big guy. And so it just, it all clicked, but it clicked in a way that was larger than life. Yeah. And for my friends at the Young Israel of Forest Hills, we're talking about the Austin playground, everybody. That's literally where Dan Grunfeld's father, Ernie, uh, uh, learned the uh, the tools of the trade. And he goes ahead and he joins some leagues and uh, some local leagues and then uh, ends up playing for Forest Hills High School and then goes to Tennessee, which is also a cool story, by the way, about the recruiting process back in, the, uh, back in that era. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and he becomes a, a great friend of Bernard King as their teammates and the, and the entire country knows about them. I mean, for those who are, are too young uh, to, to remember, you know, read up on it. Uh, make sure your children and grandchildren read up on this, folks, because it's an amazing relationship. You 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 actually call him Uncle Bernard, right, or Uncle Bernie, and uh, and, and your uh, Uncle B, Uncle B, <laughs> and your and your father both treated him and he treated him like brothers. The way they uh, they um, worked together at Tennessee from very diverse, different back, both from challenging backgrounds, to say the least. Uh, and then, of course, right. and then, of course, eventually both of them are drafted into the NBA and they remain friends until today, which is really cool. I know that's really meaningful to this audience because both your father and Bernard King were were uh, major figures uh, for a lot of people listening right now when it came to basketball in that era. So that that in and of itself is a great that could be a book just about that relationship. And I think you pointed out in the book that, there, that ESPN actually did a documentary about the relationship between Bernie and Ernie, right? That's true. Yeah. And it's called Bernie and Ernie. I always tell people read the book first, but then, you know, watch the documentary, yeah. but it is, it's, it's an incredible relationship. And yeah, Bernard and my dad are still dear friends to this day. They talk every month and you know, they're from the same city, right? They're from New York city, but they're from very different places. You know, Bernard from Brooklyn, my dad from Queens, and they went to Tennessee and they became legends there separately and together. You know, they're one of the greatest duos in college basketball history. They also played together for the Knicks. Now, Bernard remained a star in the NBA, right? He led the league in scoring. Right. My dad was a role player in the NBA. But, you know, in college, they both averaged more than 25 points per game. I mean, they were two of the greatest college basketball players of the era, and they played together. You know, it's, 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 an, it's an incredible, incredible story. And 
it's kind of, it's very reflective of the whole family story, right? Basketball being a vehicle to bring people together. So it, it's very cool. Yeah, the whole thing is amazing. By the way, did you're, just as an aside, because your father, many people know, in addition to being a player, became a very important executive, a very prominent executive in the NBA and certainly helped build uh, a lot of teams after his playing career. Can I assume that the fact that he spoke multiple languages helped, or is that only today where there are so many foreign players that the uh, uh, the knowledge of multiple language would really make a difference as an executive in the league? So it didn't because he speaks Hungarian, you know, which isn't exactly the most <laughs> common language spoken. So, so, but I'll tell you this, it helped him understand people and have emotional intelligence because, you know, in basketball, it, it's an amalgamation of different people, different backgrounds. And because he came to this country, not speaking the language, he, he has a very sophisticated sense of people and how people fit in and making people feel included, you know? So it didn't help him to speak to people in Hungarian really, because not that many people were speaking it, but his experience really, really kind of informed how he approached his job and, and bringing people together and having empathy and an understanding for what people are going through. Boy, is he still in the league right now? We're working it all with basketball. So my dad spent 42 straight years with an NBA team. Uh, he left the Washington Wizards in 2019, and he's been taking some time. You know, he's a grandfather, and he's enjoying that right now. He still helps people from time to time, and people call him, but he's not officially with any team. And uh, yeah, but 42 straight years after you know being born under communism in Romania, the son of Holocaust survivors, coming to you know New York City at nine, not speaking English and not touching a basketball. So. Again, that's why I wrote the book. You know, it's really an incredible journey. And your late uncle, for whom you are named, actually had a a wish, maybe we can call it a dying wish, that his brother would become famous in New York. And boy, he became famous in New York, all right? And isn't that spooky? Isn't that eerie that your uncle had that type of premonition? Yeah, it, it's a prophecy. You know, and, and, you know, I've heard that, but, you know, when I was researching for the book, you know, my grandmother repeated it and we both cried, right? I mean, to hear my uncle as a dying young man and my dad was not even 10 years old didn't even speak english and he said there's nothing i'd want more than for my little brother to become famous and well known in america you know and he passed away weeks later and and here's my dad you know just stumbled upon basketball and he became famous and well known in america you know so yeah it's I, and i and i asked my grandmother you know do you, do you have any idea why my uncle said that and she said i don't know you know he went, maybe he felt something who knows but he said it you know it, it's incredible when your father was playing for the Knicks, did he get a bunch of uh, bar mitzvah invitations from boys in the local area? Oh, <laughs> uh, forget it. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. You know, listen, he, my dad wore number 18. Right. Knicks, you right. Know? And he was, and, and he played, he played with heart and, and passion and hustle, you know? And it's funny because my dad was such an incredible scorer in high school and in college. And again, an NBA, he was a role player, but I've had so many people reach out to me after the book came out about my dad as a player, but they don't talk about his scoring. They say, you know, there wasn't a ball that he didn't dive on. Right. And it wasn't a play that he didn't give his heart. I say, you know, read the book and understand what his parents went through, what he went through, what he learned growing up as an immigrant, and you'll understand why he played that way. So, yeah, for all those reasons, the Jewish community in New York City in the 80s and beyond, they were always Team Ernie, no doubt yeah. about it. And he was a New Yorker, which, you know, only added to the whole thing. It's not like he was coming from a different city or a different state. Dan Grunfeld's with us. The book is called By the Grace of the Game. We are highly recommending it. And now we get to Dan Grunfeld. Um, you weren't satisfied with your level of uh, of um, of a basketball play. You weren't satisfied with the way 
things were going. So you made a commitment and uh, and showed the world that you, in fact, could become a superstar, which you were at Stanford. Uh, that was one uh, transition, if you will, or one uh, uh, journey that you were on basketball-wise. And then the other one is just remarkable, and I, and I would love you to detail it for us if you can. And that is that you suffer a massive injury. You have a torn ACL, and anybody listening these days knows exactly what that is, or certainly has heard of it. You have a torn ACL, and we know that that you know can be can keep someone out for months or years. And you were determined on a daily basis to do anything necessary to get back on that court uh, to to at least the level that you were at. Could you describe what that is like? Waking up in the morning and knowing that uh, the 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 labor that you're putting in. In order to try to recover from that injury, the fruits of that labor will not be seen or felt for months later. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it, it all relates to the story we've been talking about, what drove me, right? Knowing my grandparents survived the Holocaust, came to America, my dad lost his brother, all the things that, that our family had went through and what basketball did for us, that all drove me. You know, and so that, that was kind of the, the engine that was driving my basketball career. I played at Stanford, which is where I wanted to play from the time I was in seventh grade because my grandmother lives there. You know, she lives 25 minutes away from Stanford's campus. So I got to Stanford. She came to every single home game I played. And my sophomore year in school, my team was the number one team in the country, but I had a very, very poor year, as you know, right? And so I, I was really determined. And then the following year, I turned it around. I was one of the best players in the country at my position. And my dreams were coming true. This whole history, I was, you know, making good on it. And I tore my ACL on national TV at the end of the year, you know, with Tiger Woods sitting courtside. It was very, very dramatic. And so here I was back to zero. And as you know, I write in the book, I got hurt 20 feet away from where my grandmother sat for my game. I was in shock at first, but I was rolling around the floor. And when I finally came to, my grandmother was on the floor next to me rubbing my head, you know, and so that's, that shows you, you know, like she's always been there for me and I know what she went through. And so, for me, it was about picking up the pieces, just like she'd always done in her life, just like my dad did in his life. So like, to your point, every day I, you know, I mourned the injury for a short time, but I said, Hey, it's time to get to work. Woke up every day, did, you know, methodically, maniacally, you could say, did my rehab, you know, focused on it. And yeah, that's, that's kind of what sports is. You know, you invest in yourself for the future. So I was, you know, living with my grandmother, spending 10 hours a day with my knee in a range of motion machine. No one knew what I was going through, you know, but you invest for the future. And so I just, you know, methodically tried to rebuild and I had the inspiration of my grandma and my dad. And so, you know, I just put my head down and got to work just like they'd always done. Unbelievable. And we should mention a couple of people that are, uh, again, I believe, inspiring figures in the book. One is the trainer. That, that helped you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, help is not, I don't even know if help's the right word because he may have been trying to hurt you more than help you with, with the, uh, with, well, the with, with the, with the course of, uh, of exercise that he, that he laid out. But I mean, you had somebody who was working you really tough, really rough. And, um, I don't know, you, you accepted it and you, you felt that, you know, it was worth a long-term goal, uh, but you were doing things physically that, you know, most of us would consider to be impossible. Uh, but I, I guess you felt that was the only way to improve, right? The only way to get better. Yeah, I thrived on it at the time because I wanted it so bad because of this history. You know, the, the game meant so it meant the world to me, and succeeding in basketball it wasn't just you know my ego or anything like that. Although those things, of course, exist, right? But it was my family, right? My grandparents survived the Holocaust, risked their lives, came to America so we could have it better. 
and I do have it better. And I wanted to always make something of myself because of that, you know? And so I wanted it so bad. And after I hurt my knee, uh, you know, it, that, that just kind of escalated, but I had this trainer who was very extreme and, you know, it was, it was very hard work what we did, but if you wanted it bad enough, you endured that. And, and in fact, I, I cherished it, right? Just because I knew I was doing things more extreme and harder than my competition. And it showed, you know, I, I was, after I started working out with him, you know, I became this top player. And so it, it's, it's fun to read about. It's funny, but I'll say he helped me a lot, you know, and you know, his name is Frank. There's a method to his madness and it just shows we all need people in our lives, right? My grandmother had Wallenberg who saved her. We all need support yeah. and people who stand by us and are with us. And, Frank was that type of person for me. He was with me when I needed him, and he, and he really helped me get better. And you have an amazing family support system, but without Frank, who knows if he could have done it, you know? I mean, even, even when you have great support around you, you still need that person who's going to push you regularly and, and, and just make you make you improve. And you know enough, I'll tell you something. I didn't write this in the book, but so Frank worked me out. He, he pushed me so hard. And, you know, I tell funny stories about the extreme lengths yep. he would go to 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 test me, yeah. you know, will I break? And, and I did not but you know, I got hurt and, you know, Frank lived in San Francisco about 45, 50 minutes from Stanford's campus. And when I hurt my knee, I had to, you know, schlep around campus on crutches and I would call Frank and tell him, Hey man, I need a ride back to my dorm. And he would drive from San Francisco 50 minutes just to drive me two minutes back to my dorm. So I didn't have to be on my crutches. Right. So there's the heart behind it and the friendship and the trust, you know? And so, it's, it's deeper than just exercise, right? It's really it's wow. commitment. And, you know, you become you become family when you're that close and you go through things like that together. Wow. Sort of, if you're that committed, I'm going to do anything I can for you. Wow. Well, That's right. That's what, exactly right. What a lesson in life that is. Uh, we got. I, I don't know if you want to reveal the name because, frankly, you know, I want people to buy the book. But we should mention that um, uh, one of the key people in this entire story and your uh, – and your um, a family's survival is a very well-known Jewish comedian. In fact, anybody, and I have a friend who's very into the Jewish Catskills and its history. Uh, I'm going to share the story with them. I, again, I don't know if you want to say the name, but let's just say that somebody who you wouldn't, who you wouldn't expect was an extremely important uh, figure in your family's history in getting to the United States. I tell you that sometimes truth is stranger than fiction. I'll say the name because folks will get the book. You just won't believe how it all came together. <laughs> That's but, true. And I, and you won't believe it. Cause I, you know, I grew up hearing the story, but that it just, so, you know, my family was able to, to get illegal money out of Romania, out of communism in a very improbable way. And it was Buddy Hackett, a Jew from Brooklyn who was able to help my family smuggle their money out of communism uh, in just the most extraordinary way. <laughs> so uh, I know there are so many Buddy Hackett fans in New York City. Yep. I'm one of the biggest, you know, and I, he, I was a, he was a little bit before my time, but what he did for my family, you know, it resonates, it reverberates through generations, right? That the kindness that he showed. And so he'll, he'll always be one of my favorite comedians. And frankly, knowing his public persona, one may not suspect that he would be there to help refugees. And sure enough, he came through like crazy. So he's got to be acknowledged. And also uh, you have to explain to the audience, I mean, I get it because I, I know somewhat about his, um, about his background. Uh, you got to explain to the audience why the forward was written by Ray Allen and uh, how you discovered that he's such a mensch. So Ray Allen was recently named one of the top 75 players in NBA history, right? So he's literally one of the greatest players to ever play the game of basketball. I'm lucky to know Ray because my dad was a general manager of the Milwaukee Bucks when Ray was a young player. 
they spent so much time together. Ray knew our family. Ray had no idea that my dad's parents were Holocaust survivors. And similarly, my dad had no idea that Ray's mission and passion was to educate people on the Holocaust. He saw Schindler's List in college when he was a star at UConn, and he was just moved. He said, this isn't just a Jewish tragedy. This is a human tragedy. And so every time his teams played in Washington, D.C., he took teammates to the Holocaust Museum. He's visited Auschwitz and taken groups to Auschwitz. You know, he doesn't just talk to talk. He walks to walk. Yeah. And so uh, President Obama appointed him to the board of the Holocaust Museum in 2016. And so, you know, w- once I wrote the book and the story was out there, we connected. And I told him, I said, Ray, like, here's my dad's background. You probably don't know. And he had no idea. And I just asked him, you know, w- would you stand by the story and commit? And he didn't hesitate. He said, Dan, I'm with you, you know? And so, and just so you know, I had Ray's jersey hanging on the wall of my bedroom in high school. I was an up-and-coming shooting guard. He was a shooting guard. That's how much I looked up to him. But I tell people, and it's the truth, I look up to him more now as an adult because what he – and talk about the word mensch is the right word. Ray is a mensch. You know, he, he's a global icon, but he uses his platform to make the world a better place. And, you know, he, he educates. He talks about the Holocaust and for – for me, who, you know, my grandparents survived, but they lost their loved ones. It just means the world. So he wrote it incredibly moving forward. Yep. And he, he's, he's one of a kind. He's an amazing person. We're talking about the world champion Ray Allen, folks. And yeah, the forward is really heartwarming. It's beautiful and uh, adds so much to this uh, great presentation by uh, Dan Grunfeld. Uh, the book is called By the Grace of the Game, everybody. It's a Triumph publishing release, triumphbooks.com. I'm sure it's available everywhere. I would assume Amazon, etc. Dan Grunfeld is the yep. is the author by the grace of the game, the Holocaust: A Basketball Legacy and an Unprecedented American Dream. If you are at all into Holocaust history, modern Jewish history, certainly if you have any affinity toward American sports, or if you know kids out there for whom sports will be a great entree into this entire topic of what families went through the Holocaust, uh, then check out this book. I'm highly recommending it. Uh, Dan, where are you hanging out these days? You're on the East coast west coast where are you based i'm based on the west coast but my wife and i welcomed a baby boy 11 weeks ago wow uh, and we have yeah so if i sound rested i'm not <laughs> but what date uh, what date was the it, what date was the baby born uh april 1st wow that's literally like a day or two after we were supposed to speak that's funny <laughs> it's funny yeah, because he came a little early and we were supposed to speak uh yeah and then he yeah he came i was actually just mentioning that to my wife but so we're based in the Bay Area, but we had the baby in Washington, D.C. to be around family. And wow. so I, we're here now in the D.C. area. And, uh, yeah, that's where you find me today. I look forward to uh, meeting you one day. I hope we get the opportunity. Likewise, Malcolm. This has been really, really great. Thank you so much. Dan, congratulations. Best to your father and the entire and to Anya, of course, and the entire family. <laughs> and thanks for joining yeah. us today. Appreciate it. Thank you. Dan Grunfeld, by the grace of the game, check it out. You'll be glad you did. That I could tell you. More coming up. It's a Monday. It's JM in the AM. Here I come On my way back to the place where I belong Oh, the feeling overtakes me Cause I know I'm going home And it burns Since I left there last my heart aches to return I can't feel the warmth embrace me And I know I'm almost home oh, oh, oh. Oh, oh, oh. 
myself like nowhere else I know When I'm home Take my hand
the AM with Yehuda Green. Shirat Hayam is the name of that one here at JM in the AM. Feel free to comment on the app. Go to the NSN, Nahum Single Network app for Android and iPhone, and comment away. Um, what else did I want to mention to everybody? Yeah, listener Patricia says a fantastic story. It is. It is an unbelievable story. You got to get the book. You got to get the book. It's amazing. By the grace of the game, Dan Grunfeld with a forward by Ray Allen. He's the son of Ernie Grunfeld. And um, for anybody out there who's at all familiar with with sports, especially sports in New York, I'm sure that's meaningful to you, the name Ernie Grunfeld. But um, the whole story is just amazing. And his personal story. I mean, he got he got injured in college. I, I cannot believe that he embarked on the mission that he did to uh, to get back to full strength. Just amazing, very inspiring. I just holding that off the air. Very inspiring for those of us who are trying to take things day by day and step by step. Really inspiring, amazing. This portion of NSN programming brought to you by our friends at A and H. Abel's and Hyman makes traditional kosher delicacies, pastrami, corned beef, salami, and more. Old world classics, beef fry, kishka, and more. And modern, better for you kosher products, including no nitrate added, reduced fat, and reduced sodium hot dogs, plus many other unique items. Visit the website at kosherdogs.net. Take a ten percent discount with promo code radio and try A and H today. Speaking of promo code radio, don't forget our friends at Art Scroll, including the brand new book with uh, Yisrael Besser called Exalted Moments. Our friends at Art Scroll have got a. Uh, Wonderful deal. Use promo code radio. You get a major discount and free shipping on any amount. Simple as that. Go to artscroll.com. You know the rule. Always use promo code radio. R.E.A. Kunstler at JM in the AM. Bad news is everywhere. I shut my eyes, shut my ears and mouth Cause I know there's a better day coming Blowing in from the north and south But I don't give up I let my love shine bright I won't give up, no, 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 no I let my love shine bright I won't give up No, 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 no Don't put me down for the way that I look For what I wear It's just this skin I bear Cause there'll come a time when all men and one, at least I do believe So I don't give up I let my love shine bright I won't give up, no, 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 no I put my faith in the only one I put my faith in these things that I've done I put my 
Gets a little closer every day. May seem a million miles away, but it gets a little closer every day.
Z with Lahodos off his brand new album here at JM in the AM. Aye Kunstler before that. Uh, thanks for tuning in, everybody. Don't forget the um, May Year Me Limb segment with Rabbi Benji Kramer is coming up. That'll happen uh, just a couple of minutes from now, as it does every Monday at 9 a.m. in memory of Mayor Weingarten. Uh, the word is Tcheles. The word is Tcheles for today. And Rabbi Benji Kramer will feature that in just a few minutes right here at the Nahum Siegel Network. Otherwise, amazing music all day long. Uh, all you got to do is uh, stay tuned in and keep it here all day long, and you'll be thrilled with the musical selections that you are going to uh, enjoy all through the day. Um, yeah, and that basically sums it up. Our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program. Heard and listeners sponsored digital radio around the world of web and alchemistical.com and alchemistical network and, of course, any beloved NSN app. Happy birthday. Happy milestone birthday to our amazing chairman, supporter, and friend, Ralph Rosenbaum, celebrating a milestone birthday today. Happy birthday, Ralph, from all of us here at JM in the AM. Thanks so much for tuning in. Plenty more tomorrow, starting at 6 a.m. Benji, Rabbi Benji Kramer, and May Irmi Lim is next on the Nahum Siegel Network. Keep it here for that and much, much more. And have a fabulous Monday. Till tomorrow, Nahum Siegel reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.